0: Right, so we've been talking about, well, I've been talking about uh, waiting on the Lord. And how many of you guys love waiting on the Lord? <laughs> so do you guys remember what I talked about the first time was waiting on God, waiting for God to come through and being patient while he's doing it? That word itself is, is tough when, when our uh, emotions get involved. And the next one was waiting on God, as in attending to God. When we attend to God, it takes our mind off what we're doing and what we're waiting for. When we attend to God's needs, we say, how can I serve you? How can I, um, can I um, wait on you? It, take, it tends to take our mind off what we're going through because we're not focused on ourselves. What happens is, is we get focused on ourselves a lot and we're like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm doing this. Okay, God, what do you need? you know, you uh, you ever had kids, any parents in here, and they're like, hey, come here, I need something from. What do you need? What do you want? And I think, you know, we go to God that way a lot of times. God's like, I'm working on your behalf, and we go to God, what do you want? What do you want from me? You know, I just did something yesterday. Do I have to do some more today? And so those two things are key for what I'm talking about today, and Part 3 of this is God's timing. Timing is key for everything. It's kind of like um, all you hunters out there who see a deer, you don't shoot here and hope the deer kind of catches up with it. And you don't shoot back here and hope the deer backs up into it. You you have certain timing. You you know when it comes into the when it comes into the crosshairs in your scope, you sight it in. You don't want it 1 foot to the left, you want it 1 foot to the right. You want it to be dead center, that timing has to be perfect. Because you all know, if your timing's not perfect, what happens? Either miss it completely, or you hit it in the wrong spot, and then you lose it, or you spend week, uh, a couple days tracking it down. Or, as John once told me a story, that his oldest son shot a deer, didn't quite hit it right, thought he had hit it right, got out there, and the thing popped up, and he was holding on to it while it was dragging him while he's trying to stab it to death. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was a fun story to uh, hear John tell and then hear Jordan also tell it, too. That was a, that was a great one. But, so timing is key. when you ti- Okay, so if you see a car coming and you know you don't have enough time to pull out, what do you usually do? Pull out, right? You're like, oh, I can make it, and you just pull out. Sometimes that doesn't work out well for you, does it? There's, a thi- there's something with timing because it can be great and it can be dangerous at the same time. If you pull out in front of a semi and you're at a complete stop and they're doing 65 miles an hour, it's probably not going to work out too well for you. So timing has a purpose in our life, especially when it comes to the kingdom of God. God has a plan and a purpose for all of us, but we have seasons and timing for that. Say seasons. Season. So there's a season there's four seasons, right? Well, three in Michigan. You got spring, winter, and road construction. So, but there should be four seasons. There's four seasons of of timing in in our lives, and there's four seasons in the world. So the, the in every season there is a purpose for that season. God will have you in seasons not just to keep you in that season, but that season is to train you and, and produce something in you. So God gives us his plans and a timeline for those plans. You guys ever had that where you want to do something and you don't have a timeline for it? You're just like, I'm going to do it. But that timeline, you never accomplish it because you don't have a timeline for it. You don't have a, a set thing. I, on this day, I'm going to do this. And by the time I'm done with this, I'm going to get it done. But waiting Sometimes there's waiting in that season, in that time um, of God. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us, is love, joy, peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while we're waiting. So waiting is not just waiting, it's how we act during that waiting. goodness, kindness, and faithfulness. So patience is a fruit of the Spirit. So if the Spirit of God is living in us, that should be a fruit in our life. Patience is, um, they say, is a virtue. And it's, you ever if you have little ones, you know that when you say, hey, we're going to go somewhere or we're going to do this, they think it's immediately. They think, hey, we're going to go somewhere. Well, why aren't we there yet? Are we there yet? Well, when are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? Uh, My kids still ask that. Are we there yet? Oh, we got another hour to drive. But patience is not just the ability to wait. It's how we wait. So when we're waiting for God, when we're waiting for that that season in our life that's coming, how are we how are we acting during that season? Are we stomping our feet saying I want it now, I want it now? You know, I was when we were younger, we, uh, I think our oldest was maybe three, and there was this kid in the store just like screaming on the floor, just screaming, and I think Sarah said, I'd grab him by the hair right now. And, and no, I their leg. Oh, you pinched their leg, sorry. yeah. But do you go into your season kicking and screaming with the parent grabbing you by the hood and dragging you out of the store Or are you saying, okay, I'm in this season. How am I acting? Am I waiting on God? Am I attending to God while I'm waiting for him? So when we wait on God, it's our attitude while we wait. But while we're waiting, are we attending to God's needs? Like, well, God doesn't have a need. Yes, he does. He has a need for a relationship with us. Otherwise, he wouldn't have created us, right? He would have not created us if he didn't have a need for a relationship with us. And I'm not saying, it's not like the needs we have, but he desired to have a relationship with someone, and he created us. So when we're going through that, that time, that timing, that, that season of waiting, are we saying to God, this is what I'm going to do for you, God? I think that should be a daily thing, but I think during that, that, those seasons of waiting, we don't have to worry about the waiting part of it. God's taking care of that. We have to say, okay, God, this is your timing, your season. I'm going to attend to what you're asking your needs what you're asking me to do in your kingdom. But the great thing is is James 4:14, 4, 4, excuse me, says but let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be perfectly and fully developed with no defects lacking in nothing. I really like this because it says endurance, steadfastness, patience let them have full play and do a thorough work. So that means patience does a thorough, can do a thorough work in you if you allow it to. Patience has to be um, allowed access to your life like anything is allowed access to your life. You can be patient. It's just your choice to be patient or not. It's your, uh, it's your ability to allow patience to work in you so that you can say, okay, God, you're just gonna take care of this. I think, you know, we, I talked a couple of weeks ago how we go through the Culver's line, and we're mad because we go through the Culver's line, but it's so good at the end. But it's that 10 minutes of like, why are they giving me a number? They're like, you know, in your mind, you're like, they should be like Chick-fil-A. I pull up, they give it to me, they say, have a great day, here's some really good lemonade, and shove me out the door. But there's something about waiting for the thing to happen because what happens is, is we, when we rush things, it turns out really bad, right? You ever, um, how many of you guys that are in school ever had a project or a paper due, like the next day, and you're like, oh, I'm just going to write it out, it'll be good. And then when your teacher reads it, I see some of you smiling right now. You're like, oh, and it's just bad. And they're like, what did you speak? Like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever read. And we are all dumber because we read it. Um, it's, there's something about having patience and doing it in the right timing, instead of, w- instead of rushing something, when we rush it, it usually ends up ugly and broken and not accomplishing a whole lot. But patience, when it works in us, allows us to go through and awaits the end to see what's good. It's like when you're waiting in that line and you got that number, you're like, come on, I'm the next number, come on, I gotta be the next number. And when you get that number, it's like, oh, this is the good stuff. And then you can say, okay, now I've waited. And then the waiting is good, right? Because you know what you're going to receive. But I think sometimes we forget what we're going to receive. But when you're waiting in that line and you got your number, and you're like, I know that, that food's coming out to me. You're anticipating it, right? You're, you're not like, oh, stupid food's coming out. I'm not, I'm not looking forward to this. I got this number, but I'm not looking forward to this. No, you're anticipating that goodness to come to you. And I think when we are waiting on God, instead of pushing God and, and saying, okay, God, hurry up. I need this. Like my timeline is not your timeline and I need you to do this now. Like my seasons are like three days, not three months. My seasons are uh, three weeks, not three years. And what happens is we push and we prod. And what happens is we, then we move outside of God's will and we start to take things on for ourselves. Well, I really want this God you know, all of us, we, how many of you guys wouldn't like a new car? Yes, we could do it, but using wisdom and God's timing and saying, okay, well, you know, I can just go out and buy this, but is that new car going to prosper me or is it going to damage me more than what it is? Because I could buy a brand new car, but then I wouldn't be able to afford the insurance on it. Can you afford the taxes on it? And that's the thing is what happens is we, we step out of what we want and say, God, what is the best for me? Not what I want. And then we move outside of that timing for God when it could have been three weeks later, something came into our life to allow us. But we say, no, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it because I really want it. I'm going to push God. And oh, th- this is God's will for me. I, he told me I'm going to get a new car and I'm just going to go out and buy the first new car I see. Mm-hmm. How many of you guys ever bought something and then about a day or two later, you regretted it? Yes, I think every one of us have bought something and we're like, did I really need that? Why did I buy that? And I threw away the receipt too, dang it. But we have to wait on God and we have to learn to accept that God is not going to move in the timing that we want him to move. We have to accept that his timing is perfect timing. Our timing is not. Our timing is flawed It has selfishness in there. It has want. It has desire. It has a lot of things that don't allow us to see clearly. You know, sometimes God just puts something in our lap and it's like, oh, this is definitely God and I'm going to pick this up because God just gave it to me. And then there's other times where you ever bought something and you're like, the entire time you're like, I don't know if I should buy this. I don't know if I should buy this. You have this is going on this inner monologue going on? You, you set it down once, and then you go back for it again, and you're like, I don't know if I should really get this. You put it back down, and then you tell your kids to go back and get it, and then you, you know. But there's some, there's that turmoil, right? Because you you want it, but you really don't know if you should get it, and it could be the littlest of things. But it's about hearing the voice of God and saying, okay, do I? You know, and it, it's stupid because it could be a. a a stupid towel, and you're like, oh, I really want that towel. It's really nice, but I don't know if I should put it back, or I want this new TV. I want new furniture. Yeah, furniture. Oh, great. Now I know what's coming next. You buy, There should be a book called, If You Buy Your Wife of a Refrigerator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we will not say the name that cannot be said anymore. <laughs> anyway, but if you ever had that, you're going to buy something and you're like, I don't know if I should buy this but you're like, I really want to buy it but then there's that turmoil and then you get it home you've got it and you're like it just wasn't what I expected it wasn't what I wanted and then you're like, how do I take this back because I really can't take this back so but we have to learn to accept that there's a timing and a spot for us. God has God has these, these little spots in our life where the moment we get into that spot, it's like, this is right. You guys ever had that moment and you're like, you're just, you're talking to God, you're, you're asking God for something. You're not really thinking about it a whole lot, but you've asked that question to God. And then all of a sudden it's just like you fall, it's like it just, falls into your lap something just boom it appears not like poof it appears but like it's just there and you're like this is the timing this is God showing up because what I've done is I've waited for him not rushed him and I've just trusted in him and I think a lot of times we're like oh I just trust God he's gonna take care of me but 50 percent of us is like well I'm just gonna keep going and doing what I need to do instead of waiting for him Trusting is just waiting for him to take care of it. Asking him for it, thanking him for it, and then waiting for him to take care of it. And waiting for him to work in the way he works. But we have to trust. You know, and, and I think so many times we start to establish our steps. Well, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to plan for this. I'm going to plan for this. And I'm going to plan for this. Just to let you know, married almost 20 years. We have two kids. We've been broke, blessed, broke, blessed, broke some more, blessed some more. No matter what you plan for, it never goes the way you think it's going to go. Just letting you know. You can invest and you can lose it all. I work with a gentleman in, I don't know, a couple years ago. He lost almost his entire retirement because the stock market decided that it didn't want to go a certain way. And we can plan and we can plan and we can do whatever, and God's just like, you have no clue what's going to happen in two years. That's why it says God laughs at the plans of man. Because we're like, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going I'm to do this, and I'm going I'm to go here, and I'm going to do this, and God's like, okay. But we have to learn to accept what God is doing. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust and rely confidently on the Lord with all of your heart and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge and recognize him and he will make your path straight. It says in a sub uh, note here, it says removing obstacles that block your way. We just have to learn to sit back once we've asked God that question, once we've requested that from God is to just trust confidently in him. Trust that he says, or what he says, he's going to do. I don't think we can ever really prove God a liar. People are like, well, I asked God for that, and it just didn't come true. It's like, really? Did we we really think about what we were asking? And did we really know what we were asking for? Did we really know what God's will for us was. I think sometimes we, we ask for God's um, approval on things that aren't really His will. Yeah. You know, we, we go for something and you're like, God, you just thank you that it's your will that I get this. And it's just like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, I think the most common phrase used in the church is, it was just, it's just God's will for me. You know, <laughs> Sarah and I, I've heard that so many times. Oh, yeah, it's just, it's God's will for me to be here. And we're just going to be here. And I'm like, two months later, I'm like, where are you at? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, it, yeah. But it's like, it's, like a, it's like this cheap phrase that we throw out in church oh, it's God's will. Really, really, what's God's will? Because I don't think sometimes we know what God's will is. I don't think every time we can predict and go, oh, well, oh, yep, that's God's will. Because we have a hearing deficiency. We do. We all do. We, we think it's God's will sometimes, but what happens is, is we hear what we want to hear. It's like this ear is like, eh, turn this one off. Oh yeah, that's what I want to hear. I think that our society is that way. It, it, it shows that um, we, are, we hear what we want to hear, and what we don't want to hear offends us. but we have to learn to accept that his will is there. Trust him. Proverbs 16, 9 says, The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes steps. So, we have plans, but God directs those plans. He directs those steps for us. But what happens is, is we say, Well, God, I just really want to do this. And then we start taking our own steps, our own plans. And instead of saying, God, direct my steps, direct my way, show me where you want me to go, how you want me to do it. But we like, well, you know, this is what I'm going to do, and God's just going to have to take care of it. God's going to have to do this for me. Because I want it. I want it, so God has to do it for me. Doesn't really sound like a relationship. It sounds like a... Um, hired hand. Like, okay, I pay somebody to go fix this, or I pay somebody to work on my car, or I pay somebody to do this. No, it's not that way. You you say, God, I really want this. If it lines up with his will, then he says, oh, okay, you want this, now let me guide you to that. But we establish our own steps, our own ways, our own paths, and we expect God to keep up with us. It's like, Here's the, here's the road that leads to heaven. It's a straight and narrow, but I'm going to take this side trail. It's going to loop back, God, but I need you to kind of follow me on this side trail because I really need this. Proverbs twenty twenty four says, Man's steps are ordered and ordained by the Lord. How can man fully understand his way? If God has ordained it, there's no way that we can fully understand what is happening or how it's going to happen. Because what happens is, we try to wrap our head around God, and that just doesn't work, right? We try to understand what God is doing instead of having faith and trusting in him that he is doing something. We're trying to micromanage him like, okay, God, what are you doing now? You know, my 110-point plan on day twelve, you're not following up to the, the point I have and I this is how I want it. Trusting in him means to lean into him, lean on him and say, Okay, I'm allowing you to guide me through this instead of you saying, Come here, God, follow me on this journey because I need you to help me out with some of this stuff. You know, our journey with the Lord is us following him, not him tagging on and saying, Hey, where are you going? Why are we going down this path? Why are we doing this? Why are you making this decision? Why are you making this choice? You're supposed to follow me. <clears throat> Excuse me. I forgot about that. Use the coaster, my wife tells me. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, lean on, trust in, and be confident In the Lord, with all your heart and mind, do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, recognize and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight your paths. It says he will make straight your paths. He'll make your paths smooth. If you're going through a rocky time in something, and you're wondering why it's happening, because it's probably because you haven't asked God what he's asking you to do. Have you asked God, God, what is your plan? Or are you saying, this is my plan, you tag along with me. I need you for the heavy lifting, so come on. But what happens is, is if you're following God's plan, when there's a roadblock, you don't see it because he does the heavy lifting for you. But when it's your plan and you're asking God, you're like, God, there's a roadblock, take care of it for me. And he's like, if you had followed me, if you had listened to me, you wouldn't have noticed the roadblock. Because I'm the one going before you. I'm the one lifting for you. I'm the one taking care of you. Instead of me being your, um, instead of him being your helper, he is the one going before you, taking everything out of the way. So you don't have to call on him to, oh God, this roadblock came up and I just need you to, you ever had those prayers? It's the roadblock prayer, prayer. It's the miracle prayer. You're like, oh, I just need something. You know, you're just, you know, you're trying to use every name in the, the Bible about God, of what he's going to do and who's he, who he is. And you're like, oh, I just need this. You know, it's like, okay, yes, miracles are great. You're going to need miracles in your life. But living by them, you're a hot mess. If you need a miracle every so often, like if you're dealing miracle to miracle to miracle in your life, there's something messed up inside of us that needs to start to, to, to look at God and say, okay, what am I missing What am I doing on my own that I need to allow you to do? What am I doing that needs you to do it for me instead of me trying to do it? Miracles are great. We need miracles. There's going to be times in our life we need them. But if we're living by them, that means we're outside of God's will. Because when we're in God's will, he's going before us. He's guarding us from behind. He's guarding us from the side. Psalm 31:14, but as for me, I trust confidently in your greatness, O Lord. You are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hands of my enemy and from those who pursue and persecute me. So David is saying, I trust you. I put my hands out. I give up my life to you. You're going to take care of me. You're going to do what you want to do with me, God. But when we don't, when we say, hey, come here, God, follow me, we're going to go do this. We have to understand, he's the father, and the father always says to the son, come here, we're going to go do this. Father says to his daughter, come here, we're going to go do this. Follow me, I'm going to show you something good. But rarely does the child walk up, hey, come here, stop what you're doing, follow me. You're like, excuse me? But when the father says to the child, come here, put down, put down what you're doing. Come here, I got something for you. I got something to show you. Usually it ends up a lot better. Because usually there's something involved when a, when a father takes their child away from what they're doing and says, hey, look what I've got for you. Instead of the kid going, hey, come here. I got something to show you. Fix it. That's usually what it ends up. Oh, I broke this. Can you fix it? So why are we, why are we le- trying to lead God instead of allowing God to lead us and when he can say, hey, come here, i got something for you, instead of us saying, come here, come here, come here, fix it. But there's seasons in our life that we have to start to understand. We have to start to see that season and say, am I in this season for what I want to do? Am I in this season and is God allowing me to do it? Or is he leading me to do it? God will allow you or he will lead you. We allow our kids to do things. And when it fails, we go, oh, what, uh, that's a bummer. But when we allow God to lead us, something changes in us and, uh, and it, it makes the path straight. It makes the paths um, smooth. But it's just that understanding of, that the season I'm in is not always going to be where I want to be, but God is leading me through that season. There's a good old song, and it starts out with... No, I'll tell you that later. So You'll, get, you'll figure out this song. Ecclesiastes 3, one says, There's a season for everything and a time for every delight and event and purpose under heaven. God will give you your plans. Your job is to start them. God will give you your plans. Your job is to start the seed to what God has given you to start. Not going to sing the song. We all know the song. But there's seasons. We don't plant in the winter and go back in the fall and go, hey, where did it all go? Anybody who, who is a farmer, seed and harvest is not instantaneous. You don't just throw it out and go back the next morning and go, like, put it out yesterday. Why is it not here? Because there's a season for it. I don't know about any, any of you guys who farm in here, but I think you guys plant and you watch your crops grow and you enjoy watching your crops grow. And you don't just sit there the entire time and watch your crops grow and go, like, another inch. Got it? Yes. No, but you enjoy going and watching, going by your crops and saying, they're growing, this is what's happening, this is what I wanted. Am I right? You don't go plant a garden and go, ugh, they're growing? What? No, you enjoy that because you know that there's going to be something at the end of that season for it. Seed, time, and harvest are not instantaneous. There is something in the growing process that allows change to happen. We won't get into photosynthesis and all that good science stuff today, but but farmers do take delight. People who plant take delight in seeing their crops grow and seeing what is growing. God does the same thing with us. He doesn't just put some, plant a seed in us and then go, eh comes to fruit and when he's like, whatever. No, he takes delight in us. When he does something in us and he sees it come to fruit, he's like, this is what I planned for. This is what I watered for. This is what I put the seeds in there for. he does that because he watches us grow, being able to handle, handle the blessings that he's able to give us in the future. Watching us grow is, is, is pivotal because he wants to see us grow, because if you hand a three-year-old something that the, a, a 30-year-old can handle, they're not going to know what to do with it, and they're not going to know the importance of it. So there's seasons in our life where God says, I'm going to hand this to you. It may not be the season for you to use it, but I'm going to give it to you. Hold on to it. It's valuable. It's going to produce something, but it's not the season for you right now. And sometimes what we see right now is not the vision for our life right now. It's the vision for our life in the future. You know, the children of Israel, you know how long they saw the promised land but didn't go in? And some of it was their own sin. Some of it was God protecting them. When they first went out of Egypt, God led them so close to the promised land that they could have touched it. But they weren't ready to handle it because they would have had to go through the Philistine area to get into the promised land. And they weren't ready for war. They came out of slavery. They weren't an army. They had no fighting people that could actually coordinate a military. So God led them around the Philistine area. They were this close to walking into where they wanted, but they weren't prepared for it. They weren't prepared to take the land that God had given them. So God moves them around the Philistines so they don't have to fight. They don't have to worry about you know, all that, you know, uh, all these people being out in the open, no, no place to call their own. But God says, you know, I'm going to move you around them. I'm going to move you out of Egypt. I'm going to move you around the Philistines, and you're going to learn how to deal with your freedom. And they didn't do a good job, I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, a couple of weeks in, they're like, let's just worship this golden cow. It's, just, it's all going to work out for us. You know, we laugh at that golden cow, but read the, the rest of that passage of Scripture. It is just mean. Like, it's just the, the, the punishment from that because they had worshipped another god. Read it. I, I, I dare you to read that. It is just, man, it's tough. It's rough to, to read that. But God was teaching them there's a season for when you're going to go into the promised land and when you see the promised land. And sometimes our promised land, it's like, oh, I see it my time to go in. No, it is not. Sometimes our promised land is there to show us what we have, but God is saying your character, your ability to ta- have the promised land, your ability to take the promised land is not this season. They weren't prepared for a war. They weren't prepared to go into the promised land and defeat and push out all of the enemies of, that were in there. If we're ill-equipped for something, God is not going to give it to us. But if we're ill-equipped for it and we see it, we're like, well, it's mine now. I get to take it. How did that work out for you? Sometimes we want what we want. We see the promised land, but we'll we be able to handle it and sustain it and make it prosper. Anything God gives us is supposed to bear fruit and prosper. Farmers, when you plant, you don't say, "Oh, what's all this green stuff at, 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 in the middle of the summer?" You go, why am I? Wh- what am I supposed to do with this? I didn't want this to prosper. I just planted because I wanted to plant. It made me feel good. Farmers don't plant just to plant. They plant with an expectation that they're going to get something out of the out of the end of it. You know, six foot high corn. You're like, and you're like, well, what, "What is this? I, don't, I didn't plant this." I don't want this. No, you plant because you want something. You want the rewards of what you've planted. So when God gives us something, everything we touch, everything that God gives us is not just supposed to be sustained and maintained. It's supposed to prosper. It's supposed to bear fruit. If we cannot sustain it, how are we going to make it prosper? How are we supposed to Take something that God has given us. If we can't even maintain it, how are we going to make it bear fruit? I mean, I'm talking about everything. Your family, your job, your household, your whatever it is. How are you going to, if you can't maintain it, if you can't make it even keep it up, how are you going to get fruit out of it? How is it going to bear fruit? It's not because we can't even take care of what we have. If you can't maintain it, you're never going to bear fruit out of it. It's like our families. We're supposed to have our families bear fruit. That means our kids are supposed to be better than us. Our kids are supposed to bear more fruit than us. So by the time they're 21, 22, they're better off when we were 21, 22. And I'm not talking financially. I'm not talking job. I'm talking spiritually. Spiritually, so that they are more mature, they have more um, understanding on how to hear the voice of God, and are able to walk in his plans and his purposes than we were at 21 and 22, because everybody knows when you're 21 and 22, you're usually a hot mess, right? Our job is to not make our kids a hot mess by the time they're 21 and 22, But our job is that our children bear fruit, not just maintain them. Oh, here's some food. Good luck when you get older. You know, you know it's like, here's a Pop-Tart. Good luck. You know, think about this. You don't put a four-year-old in a house and say, oh, there, there's some mac and cheese in the, in, the, uh, in the cupboard. Go ahead and make it if you want it. No, you don't do that. You sustain them and you, and you maintain and you feed them. They're adults for crying out loud. Why can't they just make it themselves? But think about it. God gives us our children to not only maintain and sustain, He gives us our children to pour into so that they produce greater fruit than we do. You know, we, Sarah and I... Um, Put an addition on our house a couple years ago, and it's always the weirdest thing. My wife's like, "I just think we need to do this. We need a new fridge." I'm like, "We don't need a new fridge. Put some more duct tape on it. Prop it up a little bit higher." <laughs> is really it is true. I, yeah, yeah. I said, "We'll just we'll put those little knobs on the the bottom. We'll just raise them up a little bit. It'll it'll keep the freezer door shut. It'll be fine. It'll, we can go another year. You know, we'll get one of those Velcro strips that with a ratchet, and you just put it on one side, and, you, and it'll lock it shut. You know, yeah." But we put an addition on our house. It wasn't because we wanted an addition. It's because we knew we needed an addition. It took me some convincing. And she's like, I want to put an addition on the house. She didn't like, just bring it up casually. She's like, God told me to put an addition on our house. I'm like, I just get home from work. What are you talking about? I'm like, where is dinner, first of all? And <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. She had, I think she had dinner prepared, and while I had food in my mouth, she's like, God told me for a dish, and I'm like, hmm. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you're, so we didn't plan on it. It was just something that God ordained for us. It was a it was a, a season where we needed it, and when we knew we were going to need it. So when we did it, it was not, it wasn't chaotic, it wasn't hectic, it wasn't, oh my gosh, how are we going to take care of this all? It was Boom, the, fa- the, the plans and the, the timing fell in line perfectly. Even though we didn't think it was, it was boom, 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 boom. Even though we wanted to start it six months earlier, it didn't work out that way. But when we got it done, it was like this worked out perfectly how we needed it when we needed it. But we have to sustain it. We have to maintain it because it's, a, it's allowing us to bear fruit. I could put that addition on and never do anything to it ever again. 30 years from now when the, the ceiling's falling in and there's, you know, all the uh, the lights are burnt out. We're like, ah oh, it's fine. We'll just put a lamp on the floor. There's something about maintaining. You have to maintain a house. You ever seen, it's the weirdest thing, a house that can be lived in and two years later, and it hasn't been lived in for two years, and it looks like it's falling apart. There's something about being in that Structure. There's something about maintaining it, and it's just the heat, the lights, everything like that, that somehow keeps it from falling apart. I could not maintain a house and say, "Oh, it'll leak. It'll be fine. We'll just put some pots out. We'll put some pots out, and it'll catch the water." Look, we got resi- we got rainwater. We can wash our dishes with it. You know, we're gonna make the best of a good situation. No, you maintain it because you want it to last. We were talking um, on Thursday night. I said the foundation is gr- uh, the foundation is key for everything. If you you can have the most beautiful house, best siding, beautiful shutters, nice looking roof, beautiful interior, but if the foundation is bad, it's pointless. Why'd you even build it? If the foundation is not solid, your walls will shift, your floors will shift, everything will start to shift, and you'll wonder why there are cracks in the walls. But God wants us to maintain so it'll bear fruit. See, we put an addition on our house because we knew that God was calling us to do something different. Yes, it's nice now, but at that season, God was preparing us to start doing something different, some different things. And we put it on. It was like, okay, we, we really, I don't think we can really afford this right now. But it was, it was something that God stepped in and said, no, no you can afford it. And, and it all worked out. You know, you, you don't think, hey, we're going to put an addition on the job. I've just been on the job for two and a half months. It's okay. We're just going to throw, you know, an addition on the house. My wife's up here snickering, so. But. Yes, when my wife hears from the Lord and, and when she is on, she is on. <laughs> so. But the timing was perfect. God's timing has to be spot on. Yeah. Our timing has to be spot on with God's. Yeah. Because when our timing is not, if we push His timing, oh, I'm just going to push it. Come on, God. I want this. I'm claiming it. I'm, you know, I'm claiming it in the name of Jesus, and I'm just going to do it, and you're just going to have to keep up with me. Yeah. You know what that brings? Disaster. Yeah. That's true. There are seasons of sowing and reaping, and waiting for a harvest. You don't sow, and then go out the next day and reap. You don't plant, and then go, where's my crops? You do not, it does not work that way. When we push God, when we we say, God, come along with me, I'm going to go do this, and I need you to do the heavy lifting, it will bring disaster in our lives. How many of you guys have ever bought a car, and after you bought it, you're like, what did I buy? Like, it's in the shop all the time. It's just, you're like, what happened? Like, it was beautiful. I, got, I, dr- I test drove it. It was driving perfect. The brakes worked. And then, like, three weeks later, you get it home, and you're just like, about three weeks later, you're like, what in the heck did I just buy? You're like, I think I got a lemon. And you're like, I'm going to look up the lemon law and I'm going to, you know. You guys bought, have, and most of the time when we bought that car, it wasn't like I felt peace about it. It was like, this is really cool and I want it. It wasn't like, oh yeah, this is just going to be just perfect for the family. You're like, I want this and I want it now. And you buy it and you're like, oh Lord, what did we get? Yes. What happens is when we push God, when we push his time, when we push his plans, it, what it does is it pushes us under stress. It puts us under pressure. It puts us under um, financial pressure, marriage pressure. Um, And it's like when we step over what God is asking us to do, when we go above what God is asking or what he's showing us, it's like, no, now I'm stressed in every way because I'm now stepped out of the will of God for my life. I'm now out of his timing and in my own timing. And my timing is really not good because I don't have the ability to take care of what I'm taking care of. When we step out of God's will when we push his timing, it will put pressure on us spiritually because we feel like God is not, God's just not seeing me through on this. God's not, God's not supplying my needs on this. God's like, I would have supplied your needs on this, but you, you, over, you kind of pushed your way up to the front of the line. Instead of allowing me to, to do the lifting for you, you decided that you were going to do the lifting. How many of you know that God can lift a little bit more than we can? His shoulders are a little bit bigger than what ours are. He really doesn't have a lot of financial issues. God is really good at, at at managing his money. And how many of you guys know we are not all the time? And when we get into those situations where we, oh, let me squeeze by God. I just want to, oh, oh, I'll take that. And God's like, no, 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 you need this because it's smarter for you. And God's like, mm Okay, I'll let you do it. Because why? He gave us free will. He gave us the, uh, he gave us the ability to, to make a mistake and then he goes, uh-oh, what happened there? <laughs> but it puts stress on, us, stress on us spiritually because we're expecting God to show up in our mess. And he will show up in our mess, but he's like, you made this mess. I didn't make this mess. So trusting God in those times of allowing him to move instead of us moving him. Allowing that season to go through that season. Be patient in that season. Because sometimes what we see is not always what we're going to get. Sometimes what we want is not always what we're going to get. Sometimes the promised land is there, but it's not that time to walk into it. Can you imagine if the children of Israel just decided, oh, hey, we're just going to walk into the promised land, no army, no nothing. They would have been wiped off the face of the earth, made slaves. But God prepared them, made them an army, uh, had them work to make an army, and then they went in and defeated the enemies. So it's about listening to God and saying, okay, your timing is when, I, when I, you tell me to go, I'm going to go. My plan my plan. Your steps. Sometimes our plan is not God's will for us. But he's like, I'll let you do it. But when we are in God's will, and he says, I want you to do this. I want you to move here. I want you to say this. I want you to, you know, become this. It's weird. It just falls in line. But we have to maintain what we, and sustain and produce fruit in what we have. God will work. God will move on your behalf. Sometimes it's a rescue, and sometimes it's just a leading. I would rather have it a leading than a rescue, right? I don't want to have to call on God all the time and be like, oh, Lord, I screwed up again. Can you help me out on this one? It turns into those TV prayers. You know, I'm not really, God, hey, it's this person. I haven't really talked to you much, but if you could really help me out with this, I'd really appreciate it. We've all seen those TV prayers, yeah. And I love it because they say, hey, this is so-and-so. It's like, he's like, duh, I know who you are. Um, But we have to allow God to move us and not move God. Those seasons are tough sometimes. Those seasons of waiting, those seasons of seeing what God has for you. Because sometimes he will show you what he has for you. But he's saying, I'm showing you so you can have your character up to that point so you can walk in. He was waiting for the children of Israel to become better people before they could walk into the promised land. Think about this. If he had let them into the promised land the moment they were out of Egypt, they would have had golden calves everywhere throughout the country, been worshiping some other God and not realizing who was the one that brought them out of slavery. Because when he brings you out of slavery, he's not going to bring you out of slavery and leave you in a low place. He's going to bring you out of slavery and he's going to lift you up, take care of your needs, bless you, make you a nation, make you a people that can be a blessing to other people. Because if we can't be a blessing to other people, there's something going on. Because God has created every one of us. The moment we are born again is to become a blessing to every, every other person around us. And if we can't bless other people, we have to re- rethink, re-look at what we're doing because are we allowing God or are we following God? Okay, God, you can do this for me now. Or are we saying, God, what do you want me to do? Let's pray.